Hey Pete, Jason here, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Enjoyed your latest episode on the, the Hammer Horror, and I, I guess that last um, installment of the Black Hack that we did, where we all played new characters, and and Josh was able to join us. Like that, that was kind of a horror game right there, wasn't it? Um, very interesting. But yeah, the series of articles you wrote, I. I have to try to find those. Uh, definitely sounds interesting, and and it's kind of a weird synchronicity. Spencer over on Keep Off the Borderland tonight. His episode also talks about instead of doing sanity loss in characters, inducing a feeling of unease in the players themselves. So both of you kind of discuss that. He did it talking about Best Left Buried, but you know both of you talked about the Hammer Horror Project. So. It's interesting that you both keyed in on that and, and both discussed that, make the players uneasy and talk about those ha- this Hammer Horror series that Barney has, you know, really inspired everybody with. So I think it'll probably be next year when that kicks off. We'll see. I don't know. But I, I am definitely looking forward to it. I know a number of us are. And it shows how many of us really love that those movies, you know, having either grown up with them or, or caught them later in life. But and just really enjoyed those movies and how we want, you know, we connect through that and want to recreate those feelings. Like you say, it's, it's catching the pastiche of the movies, right? It's catching that, that feeling. It's not like you say, not scene by scene recreations, but kind of getting in that world ourselves, you know, so that's going to be fun. So I'll talk to you later, Pete, looking forward to our games this weekend. That was Jason from the news RPG variety cast. Thanks for that calling, Jason. Yeah, it was funny how uh, myself and Spencer both had the similar sorts of ideas uh, in a short space of time. You definitely can affect your players. I remember running one game and keeping it creepy and throwing a few things in. And the following week, one of the players came back to me and said, do you know what? He said, that night I dreamt about what you'd been describing to me and it was so real. He said, I woke up in a cold sweat. Bingo. That is it. It worked. So, yeah, you can do it. You've just got to be a bit creative. Hello and welcome to another episode. So today I'm going to talk about the rules Best Left Buried by Zachary Cox. Now, a couple of nights ago, um, Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast ran an online game using the Best Left Buried. There was myself, Arfed, Shandy Andy, Josh, Beckelheim and Ian E involved in the game. And I wanted to give my thoughts about the rules of Best Left Buried and how we got on. So Best Left Buried is, I suppose you call, an old school indie game. It's taken some of the characteristics from the old school games and put a new twist on them. Um, if you want to hear a good interview with Zachary Cox about the rules and his philosophies, then uh, listen to the Smart Party. They did an interview with him. So let's talk about character creation first. So character creation is very, very simple. Each character has three stats, Brawn, 
width and will. And basically, you put plus two into one of those stats, plus one into the second of the stat, and plus zero in the final one. You have two of the stats, vigor and grip. And vigor is essentially your hit points, and your vigor is equal to six plus your brawn. And your grip is equal to four plus your will. And then a ca the character chooses an archetype. And there's about eight or nine archetypes. A believer, cutthroat, cabalist, dastards, free blade, protagonist, outcast and scholar. And there's a normal person one as well. Every man, that's the other one. And when you pick one of those archetypes, each one comes with three or four skills, which help uh, you in some way or other. And each of those characters is different. Your equipment, you start off with two weapons and three pieces of equipment from a list, or you can roll them randomly. And every PC starts with 50 foot of rope, three torches, a backpack, a bedroll, a week's worth of rations, and basic armor. And the only other thing you have to do is pick one advancement. And there's an advancement list, which is several different um, like special abilities. And you pick one of those advancements, and that is how you um, get experience through the game. When you uh, get experience, you get another advancement. And it can be as simple as adding a point to one of your stats or giving you advantage or disadvantage. So that's character creation, nice and simple. Then we go to playing the game. So the game is basically a 2D, rolling 2d6 and making a stat check. So you, you roll 2d6 and add either your brawn, wit or will, and you're trying to roll a nine or more. If you get a nine or more, you succeed. Advantage and disadvantage are renamed as the upper hand and against all odds. And in other, as in other systems, if you have the upper hand, you roll 3d6, discard the lowest dice. And if you're against the odds, you roll 3d6 and discard the highest dice. And the number of upper hands and against the odds sort of cancel each other out. So that uh, if you've got one of each, then they would cancel each other out. So that's for stat checks. Basically, you're trying to hit a nine. Combat is very similar. But instead of rolling 2d6, you always roll 3d6. What you do is you roll a 3d6 and you pick two of those dice and you're trying to exceed the target number. And that is the armor of the monster or when monsters are trying to attack you is your target number. And for some strange reason, the target number against characters is eight plus the armor. I'm presuming the eight plus the armor is because each person comes with basic armor, which gives you a plus one. But why this doesn't say nine, I, I don't know. So you roll your 3d6 and you pick two of those to try and beat target number, which is the armor. The third dice that is left is the damage that you cause. Uh, and so it's obviously a d6 damage. Now, weapons in the hole just do a d6 damage, but some of them have a plus one or a minus one modifier to damage and a plus or minus one to initiative. I'll come to initiative in a minute. So when you roll your three dice, you can pick which two you're going to use. So when you add your your stat to your dice roll, then you can try and wangle it so that uh, you use two of the dice and leave a bigger dice for the damage. When you add the upper hand and uh, against the odds into it, then obviously you're rolling an extra dice and you've got to discard one of those. 
and I'll come on to the dice mechanic in a bit. So in combat, like other systems, it uses zones for ranges. You have the same zone, adjacent zones, and up to five zones away, which is long range. Initiative is a D3 and added to your wit, and that's the order you go in. One rule I quite liked in it was uh, monsters and ganging up. When several identical, identical monsters were attacking the same person on the same initiative number, then instead of each rolling separately for each one over the initial one, you get an upper hand for each additional attacker. So, attacker. so that was a quite a nice mechanic. When it comes to dying, when a monster NPC is reduced to zero uh, vigor points, they die. For characters reduced to zero, they flip a coin, tails the die, heads they come unconscious. A couple of other things that you could uh, get from combat as well. If you ever the opponent ever rolls a natural six, then you can take an injury. And injuries uh, are one of two systems that are used for consequences. And uh, injuries might be that you die, um, it might be you lose some vigour, you might lose some wit. Because basically when your vigour is down to zero, you are dead. Afflictions are slightly different. They are a similar way to um, injuries, but you can't get afflictions when you're in combat. Now, grip. Grip is your sanity, and you can use grip in many ways. You can spend your uh, grip to fuel advancements, so your special abilities might take a number of grip to activate. You can spend grip to fuel exertion, basically to reroll failed stat checks or attacks. What you can do is if people are rolling dice against you and you don't like the dice, you can spend one of your grip to get them to re-roll one of the dice. But each dice may only be re-rolled once. Grip does not generate over time. And when you get down to zero, you go, basically, you lose, you're insane, you've succumbed to the horror. However, you can take an affliction, any point, to reset your grip to 10 points. And afflictions are things like character flaws, growing affliction, and special afflictions. Monsters. For the GM, there is no monster manual. It tells you how to design a monster and uh, gives you some ideas, but it doesn't give you any examples whatsoever. It gives you, for example, a standard um, expendable mob might have plus one, zero, and minus one across the three stats. A more powerful monster might have plus two, plus one, zero on it. You also give it some vigor and grip, and it says a regular mob may have five vigor, more powerful ones have more. Uh, there are some special adaptations and special abilities that the monsters have. There are examples of monsters for the GM to have a look at. So, what did I think of the game? Well, we played it online, and the majority of us were using the online dice roller from Discord. Or it could have been, and you could be using an online dice roller uh, for Roll20 or any other virtual tabletop. What we found was that it wasn't so easy to look at the dice rolls as online as it was in front of you. Our Fed was rolling the dice in front of him. So when he was rolling the dice, he could put one dice to the side. And it's mainly in combat, really, because you always roll three dice unless you have advantage or disadvantage. So then that takes up to four, four dice. And then you, you've got to discard one of those dice, whether it be the highest or lowest. And then if grip is played against you, you're also re-rolling. So at some points, it got quite confusing which dice had been re-rolled before and it was almost as if there was like two subsystems working working there so in my view you have how can i put this you have a system and keep it the same so for example 
roll three dice and add or subtract a dice. Or you roll three dice and you have re-rolls. But the two together just didn't seem to quite to hit the mark for me. And the impression I got from listening to that interview with Zach was that he doesn't believe in playtesting games to a great deal. And I get the feeling that this game hasn't been fully playtested. It's almost as if maybe it, it's not quite there yet. I mean, it, it just might be me. I know I've spoken to Jason about it and Jason wants to run it again to give it another shot. And I don't think it was the scenario at all. The scenario was absolutely fine. But the sort of feeling I got from it was, well, actually, I could do the same sort of thing with a black hack, Into the Odd, ICRPG, Barbarians of Lemuria, all four of those would do the same job, but better and simpler with less mechanics. I don't know whether it's because the mechanics were a little bit alien to us, of rolling three dice and using two for the um, two for the attack and one for the damage, but then I played dice pool games before, and if I think of the ubiquity dice system, that whole one dice system does everything in one dice. It adds and subtracts dice, and that's all it does. So that's one mechanic. Best left buried, yeah, either add dice, subtract dice. I'm not, to be honest, I'm not a big fan of advantage and disadvantage when it comes to dice pools. I think it works fine for a singular dice if you're rolling 1d20 and you get advantage, roll 2d20 and take the best results. But when you're rolling multiple dice, I don't think it, it, it works as well. I mean, to be honest, I'd rather, instead of advantage and disadvantage, adding dice, I would rather you just add dice or subtract dice and forget the keeping the best. The dice pool, you know, um, you've got advantage, add two dice to your dice pool. Or the way I see RPG does it, you just add a fixed plus three or a minus three and keep it simple. So that's that's what I think of Best of Buried. I was going to, I've got the Zini PDF and I was thinking of going to buy the hardback book, but no, unfortunately that game is, um, having played it, it's put me off buying the book. Certainly, I'd, I'd give it another try. If somebody else ran it, uh, I've got no great inkling to run it myself. I'd be interested to hear what the other players thought of Best Left, left Buried. Am I barking up the wrong tree? I don't know. Maybe I am. So, mate, that's my thoughts on Best Left Buried. That's it for this episode, so I'll catch you on the flip side. You have been listening to the Dragons Are Real podcast. My name is Pete Jones. You can find more information at my website at petejones.neocities.org or at my blog at dragonsarealpodcast.tumblr.com. The opening music was Fireflies and Stardust by Kevin MacLeod. The closing music, also by Kevin MacLeod, was Fretless. <laughs>